Welcome back to another episode of Better, Faster, Smarter, a podcast brought to you by Adams Corp, where we share the latest in industrial automation and reliability in hopes of doing just that, helping you get better, faster, and smarter throughout your manufacturing process. I'm your host, Nate Valentin, and today I am joined by two of Adam's finest, Senior Controls Engineer Felipe Silva and VP of Sales Paul Anderson. In this episode, we will be discussing recent developments of our data collector platform. Stay tuned to learn more about our data collector, how it will be used to help calculate the ROI on a large dust collection pulse valve upgrade, and also why we are so excited about the incorporation of IOLink. We have Paul Anderson and Felipe Silva with us today. And a good place I thought we should start is just you guys just telling us a little bit about your background. Um, so Paul, can you, uh, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Nate. Um, so Paul Anderson, I have been with Adams for 11 years now. I'm the vice president of sales. Um, started as the territory sales rep up in Jacksonville, was in that role for about seven years, and then transitioned over to Tampa to lead the sales team. Um, went to school, University of Florida. Fridays are usually my gator days, so uh, repping the shirt accordingly. Um, graduated in 2010 with a degree in electrical engineering. Um, so a little bit about me. What about you, Felipe? So uh, thank you for having me, Nate. So uh, I'm Felipe Silva, Senior Controls Engineer for Adams. Uh, I've been with the company for about three years. Uh, before that, I used to work for a company in the pulp and paper industry. I was there for seven years. Um, I ended up as a controls engineer because I did my undergrad in electrical engineering. Uh, and then funny fact, after that, they closed my master's for electrical. So I had to do computer science. So then um, I ended up having this mixed background, I guess, that, you know, it ended up being actually really good. Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh, my background. Well, we greatly appreciate your mixed background. And I'd like to <laughs> like to say thank you for for having the ability to to you know play in both arenas. That's great. And the reason that we're here today, what we wanted to talk about was a recent platform that came through that we developed for a customer. Felipe and I were actually just working on um, a video to highlight this technology as well. And what that is is uh, a data collector. So I want to kick it over to Paul, and I want Paul to speak to. Um, the customer problem, kind of what the genesis was of of this uh, development, and uh, we can go from there. Okay. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, happy to walk through it. So uh, a little bit of the background. Um, we do a lot of work and help a lot of customers in the dust collection realm. Um, a lot of different industries have backhouses and dust collection in their processes, and so this customer had um, a couple different dust collectors and what our solution there is, is an improved valve technology that helps save energy, saves air consumption and process improvements, a bunch of different factors that uh, give the customer some good benefits to their application. Um, but it's a pretty big investment to, to retrofit what their existing valves are into ours. So in order to do that, it is an ROI conversation. So it's the return on their investment. And the return on the investment usually needs to be calculated. 
So there's different factors that come into play, whether it's the air consumption, like I mentioned, whether it's extending the bag life, there's, there's different things. And in the beginning process of it, it's a theoretical, it's based on case studies that we've done. It's based on, um, we have, we have years of experience of doing this. So we have a good track record on it, but that's just theoretical. Like I said, we don't necessarily know until it gets in there. So a lot of customers are looking at, Hey, they're leveraging that theoretical and putting it in. Um, but some customers also want to see, Hey, like is what we theoretically calculated the output. Um, and this customer as an example made a pretty significant investment, but it was only about a third to half of their existing valves. So we collectively discussed, Hey, like, there's a big investment that you guys put together. We want to make sure this is successful. We want to make sure that you can finish the retrofit and get the rest of the valves upgraded. So you can see the improvements plant wide. So we leverage the theoretical calculations to get the initial investment. But what we wanted to do also is let's get a real world invest, uh, real world kind of calculation. So how do we do that? In order to do that, you have to know, the data. You have to be able to capture data that is air pressures, that is flows, that is differential pressures. And you want to try to do that as the existing system to create a baseline and then be able to do that after the fact um, to see what the improvement was that our valves made. So most customers and most systems don't have this existing sensors in place, these existing uh, devices in place. So we saw we saw a need with this customer collectively and partnered with them to develop this data collector to grab this data, to trend this data and to be able to show our justification of, hey, this investment that you made paid off in X amount of time. Let's go ahead and make that additional investment to replace the rest of the the valves in their in their whole plant. And Paul, what industry was that? Uh, it's chemical. Chemical. Yes, sir. So one thing that that you mentioned that um, I can I can relate to is I remember back um, before Adams, I worked at a digital media agency, and what we would do is companies would come in and pay us a whole bunch of money to advertise for them, and the click through rates were so low. It was like you run an ad and some, you know, 0.3% of people click on it. And one thing that we had to do was we had to establish benchmarks because absent a benchmark, you don't know how you're performing. So it sounds like what you're discussing is putting a, a system in place to set a baseline. So, you know, this is my current state. And then once you make that, make that change, then you can actually compare that to your future state and say, oh, yes, we are. We were here and, and then this is where we got. So, right. Felipe, I'd like, to, I'd like to hear your take on it from, a, from an engineering standpoint. When Paul um, brought this to you and started to talk to you about potential solutions for uh, this, the chemical industry and, and trying to, to understand how we might be able to, to do something like this and collect data, what was your thought process going into that? And, and how did you end up kind of with the solution that we have now? So I immediately thought that it was a, a great idea. Uh, I'm, I've always been a data-driven guy. Uh, I think that, like you said, establishing your bench, uh, your bench line, um, your starting point, right, is, is very important to be able to know whether you're doing better or you're doing worse, right? Um, 
whether from uh whether it is from uh from the business side and you know whether you're saving money or, or making money right but also whether uh or not your process is is getting better right there's other met- metrics like quality um that you know they may not have a a dollar amount necessarily associated to it, but they're still very important to customers. So that was very, uh, I thought that it was a, a great uh, platform that that we would be able to develop. Then uh, he mentioned that he wanted to use IO Link. I thought that that was another excellent idea because of of the features that, that IO Link offers. So uh, that there, there have been other data collectors you know, made by us as well as other companies. But what makes this one unique is the fact that we bring IO Link into this panel, right? That makes a ton of sense. And and how does having IO Link in the panel um, make it a game changer? What does that allow somebody to do? So um, there's when when I was um, looking at the, at the best way to describe the advantages of IO Link. Um, I came up with this article that shows five advantages, right? So the first one, it says standardize and reduce wiring. So the fact that you don't have to have your electrician uh, stripping the wire, uh, then terminating every single one of those of those wires, it saves a lot of time. And time, of course, is money, right? Um, then the second bullet point is increased data availability. So... So let's say that you have a flow meter, um, like in this case, right? That is your process data is the flow, the actual flow reading. But in addition to that, you also have um, service data. For example, like the part number of the of the mm-hmm. flow meter, you have the um, the model serial number, etc. Uh, in addition to that, you have event data. So in the case of this specific flow meter, you can you can get error messages sent uh, through IO link. You can get, um, you know, you can reset the, the totalizer if it has that feature, right? Uh, and, and as well as other diagnostics that, that can be uh, sensor specific. So that's uh, essentially number two, right? Increase data availability. Number three, uh, the remote configuration and monitoring. So in the past, when I was at my, at my pulp and paper job, um, you got to send the, the electrician down to, it can be at the other end of the plant, like literally can be half a mile away um, to change the configuration on a flow meter. So with IOLink, you don't have that. You can do that, you know, the engineer can do that or, um, or the, the E&I uh, person can do that directly from their office. They can change that configuration directly from their office. So the fourth bullet point um, on this article was that the simple device replacement. So let's say that you, that same flow meter after 10 years been out there, uh, you need to replace it. So it already has some settings that were, that were made by, by the person that configured the, the device. Uh, when you replace that sensor, IO-Link, the IOLink master goes and says, oh, it's a new sensor. I see that it has new parameters. So I'm going to go ahead and, and override those parameters with what was there before, right? So it's essentially a oh. seamless, uh, a seamless uh, transition, right? Got it. 
Uh, and the, the fifth one that they mentioned again are the, the diagnostics, right? There's a lot of, of diagnostics that show you whether there's errors, uh, the device is okay, you get a heartbeat uh, from the device. All of these, it's a, that's why I'm, I love IOLink, all of these through one wire. Through, through yeah. one cable, sorry. That sounds like it makes it makes it definitely a lot more capable long term. So, Paul, yeah. I'd like to I'd like to jump back over to you because I'm thinking if I'm the customer, you know, one we're we're talking about a data collector, which might be something that I've never used before. But then also we're talking about a data collector and using a a newer, relatively newer technology, potentially even to this plant, um, incorporating IO Link. How does that conversation? How did that conversation go? Uh, with the customer, was there any any hurdles that you had to overcome, or were they pretty on board with some of the key features that that Felipe kind of laid out? What did that look like? Yeah, yeah, they were they were on board with it. Um, I'd like to add a, a sixth to uh, Felipe's list, um, and, and it's a good segue into kind of the continued conversation. Is the the flexibility and the scalability of the mm-hmm. IOLink platform is really really what made us want to go down this path and the customer was all on board for the diagnostics. The sensors are going to give him more data than he had before, but the additional diagnostics, the ability to do the quick changes with the parameterization, um, just from a maintenance standpoint, it just makes his life easier and accomplishes what he's trying to accomplish with the, um, with the data collection of it. Um, so, Hitting on that sixth note that I mentioned, um, this was a partnership with the customer. It was an investment by the customer. It was an investment by Adams Engineering to develop this because we mentioned the chemical industry, but this this system is applicable across all industries that we work with um, because customers need more data in critical applications. So that's where IOLink makes sense. Um, we looked at it because you can add analog devices, you can add temperature devices, you can do level, you can do pressure like we've doing, flow like we're doing. Um, you can tie it into maybe a stack light to show a visual level. Um, there's just a lot of flexibility. And, and right now, I mean, we, we had it in the development of this. Our original design was an eight block or an eight port block Um, but with the supply chain challenges that everybody's seeing, um, we weren't able to get that in the timeframe that we needed. So we pivoted to a four port block, um, and we were able to use that four port block because we had three IO link devices. Um, and then the fourth port, we didn't have an IO link device. So we were able to actually split that out to two digital, um, IO that allowed us to use the push buttons on the external portion of the panel. Um, so it really just allowed us to do that in this simple application, but you can scale it far beyond if you needed more IO and still have the same PLC and the same IOLink platform. So it sounds like going with IOLink actually made it possible given the supply chain uh, challenges that we were having and the design changes we had to make, uh, which is which is awesome. Right. Felipe, Paul just mentioned something about the push buttons on the front. And I know that this particular system is a weatherproof system. Could you just talk through the actual physical data collector quickly and just kind of explain high level um, how it's made up and then also maybe touch on at the end some of the differences between the the weatherproof and maybe a non-weather sealed um, panel? Yes. So 
So the design of this data collector in particular, right, was for a dust collect for a dust collection system. So we wanted to design something that can, you know, that can withstand the elements, right? Um, so we selected a stainless steel NEMA 4X enclosure with a slope top, um, you know, to help their protect to help protect against the rain. Uh, we also purposely went with uh, with no not using an HMI, right? Because uh, that's uh, uh, that just creates a big point of failure when you're talking about an, an enclosure that will be exposed to the elements. So instead of that, uh, we were able to build in all the functionalities uh, using IP68 uh, push buttons. So so with two push buttons, you grab your your instructions and you're able to navigate through all of the all of the settings that that this data collector has. Um, the settings are real simple. I mean, the purpose of this of this panel, like Paul mentioned, is to collect data, build your your benchmark, right? So once you do that initial setup, it really becomes uh, a matter of leaving it turned on. Um, I, I guess there's a point that I haven't touched: is that how do you retrieve your data? You you're able to retrieve your data with a with a USB stick. So you go. You plug in the USB stick, you press the button uh, that is labeled as um, as write to USB, and it will start writing all of the data and it gives it to you in a CSV file. Got it. And then you can do your analysis from there, right? Yeah. From there, you know, you can go ahead and, and, and trend it, um, uh, add it to trends or, or analyze as, as you want. So one of the settings, Felipe, um, that you had mentioned to me when we were doing when we were doing the video for it was the differences in the interval of data capture. Could you just speak to that really quickly and just why somebody might want to set it at one interval versus another and what the benefits are? All right. So um, there's pre three preset settings uh, that we have, uh, and we can set these up on a on a you know on a case by case basis, right? Depending on the application. So the first one is uh, every second. Um, that setting allows you to gather data for two days, right? Gathering data every single second. Um, the second one is every five seconds. This setting, of course, extends your your uh, the amount of data that you'll have overall, and that will be for a period of ten days. And the third setting for this particular application is every 15 seconds. So um, that would give you um, roughly one month of data. So 30, 30 days of data. Got it. And could you touch on a difference in the use case between maybe two days of data and, and 30 days? Is there something that comes to mind of why you would need one versus another? Is it based on the application or how might you help a customer make that decision? And Paul, if you want to jump into, you can. Yes. So, um, so in the case of a, there, there's all kinds of processes, right? We build this data collector to fit different types of applications. Um, let's say that is a, is a, um, um, a hydraulic power unit, right? In that case, and let's say that is a standalone hydraulic power unit, and you want to track just a, a, a lower, a, a smaller portion. So then you would need um, data that is much more frequent. But if your mm. process is is a lot slower, right? Let's say that you're trying to uh, 
trying to determine like the, how clean your oil is, which is not going to change uh, drastically, right? You want to actually extend uh, your your time frame as much as you can, and every 15 seconds is really not going to make much of a difference. In that case, you can set it up to the to the longest uh, um, option there. In this case, 15 seconds. But if if the application of the customer requires more than that, we we can configure these on a, on a panel by panel basis. Very nice. And then we do all this hard work. Engineering team builds this panel and we're about to ship it out to the customer. Paul, could you take me through what happens next? Yeah, of course. Um, usually what happens in the top level is sales team throws something over the fence to engineering and says, this will be great. And they got to figure out how to do it. Right. So, uh, typical, typical sales guys, but um, engineering does their thing like they always do for us, makes us as a company look awesome, ships it out the door. Um, and then we want to support the customer through it. So we're yep. shipping this out, I believe today, um, potentially the next day, which today's Friday. So it's, it's going to be Monday and customer will see it early next week. And then we're scheduling time for Felipe to go up there. So the expectation in this scenario and most scenarios is the customer leverages their existing electrical group or gets a contractor to come in to physically install the panel. So they wire it up, mechanically mount it up there. Um, and then usually that takes a couple days or a week. And we already have Felipe scheduled in to go the following week up to the customer because we want to make sure that the deployment is successful. Um, you never necessarily know um, what what kinks you might see in initial setups and systems. Um, we we factory test it here and vet it, and then we get there, and there's there's different variables. So we want to make sure that the customer has the support. Um, so Felipe, in this scenario, I think is going to be up there for two days. Um, if it takes two days, we're we're there. If it's if it's good to go in one, then. We, we accomplished what we needed to accomplish and the customer's happy and we'll head back. But um, we, we do that with pretty much any development that we do from uh, our engineering team standpoint because we want the application to be successful because that's the investment the customer made. That's the expectation that they have and that's the expectation we have for our service and for our products. So, Is it, is it safe to say, Paul, this is their first data collector install? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would say so. I mean, they, they may have some processes um, to where they're going back to their form of a DCS system or something that's existing. Mm -hmm. But this is this is a unique standalone system dedicated to a system that previously hasn't had these sensors and this data collection yep. device. So yeah, um, makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. there's there's one thing that uh, that we would do as well. And uh, Paul summarized really well the the fact that we want to make this deployment successful as well as any deployment that we make right uh, here at Adams is more specifically talking about the engineering team right so um, and in addition to that we also train the customer on how to use it right mm. we um, you you get this panel or if it's another project uh, you get your machine and then we also conduct a, a training with a person that would be the 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 champion let's say of of uh of this specific unit right in this case the data collector so felipe you're up there 
obviously everything's going to go perfect and it's only going to take you a couple hours to get everything set up. So we're set up. Um, Can you walk me through for this particular application? And again, we're talking chemical industry. What are you going to set the interval at? Or have you had that conversation yet with the customer? And then once you set that interval, what happens once we collect that data? So in this specific scenario, I know that the customer wants to have um, a longer period of time uh, of one month. Uh, he told me that he wants to compare the how much air he has consumed over a period of, of a month. So that thing that that's, that's going to be my starting point. Yeah. Uh, and what was the other, the other question? So let's, we'll yeah. fast forward a month. Mr. Customer has his USB drive and it's got one month of data. Mm-hmm. He gives you a call. He's like, Hey, Felipe, I've got the data. Mm-hmm. What so, do you guys call yeah. you to? What do you, what do you guys do then to help the customer through either the analysis or the next phase of, of this investment? Yeah. So then after that, after this month of collecting data with their existing equipment, they would go ahead and, and, uh, and install in this particular scenario the, the pulse valves that, that we sold to them. That is the, the, the key investment that, they're, that they already made part of it, but they're looking to make you know, a larger investment, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then they would compare. They would compare whether the, the process improved or not, right? That's the data doesn't lie, right? Got it. So yeah, we'll have one month. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, in this scenario, um, what the customer is looking at is uh, differential pressure and air consumption. Um, so he's going to look at that. Air consumption is going to be volume consumed over time. Um, so that's a data that you can see in a CSV file and you can totalize and you can trend and you can see how it compares. Um, so that's kind of what he'll be doing um, in that scenario there. And one so, of the things to potentially mention, like this one we developed as the ability to do uh, um, a USB drive, right? But we also we also have the ability to connect it and send the data over um, Ethernet to the customer's existing system or to another PLC. Um, Felipe did an awesome job picking a, a PLC that is scalable that allows us to kind of do both. So in this scenario, the customer wanted something dedicated. Um, so we, we had it dedicated to that, to where you can just pull that data in the CSV um, on that USB. But if the next application that this customer wants or a subsequent customer wants, they want to actually tie it into their existing platform, we can do that as well and, and transfer that data that way. Uh, it's good to know that we have different ways of delivering really that information to the customer. Yep. So I want to touch on something um, Quickly, Paul, you said one of the key metrics or data points was volume consumed over time. Is that the same as energy consumption or is energy consumption another uh, data point that people look at or no, not in this application? How, how does that factor in? So in order to create the air, um, you consume a decent amount of energy. So it's going through an air compressor. An air compressor yep. is typically one of the uh, larger power consuming devices at plants. Um, And so that's how we're converting the air consumption to energy consumption. Most customers will know their kilowatt hour rate. um, Mm. And then we extrapolate that kilowatt hour rate to air consumption. And then we get to see what the energy savings is accordingly. 
So, so that's how we take volume consumed over time and turn it into a dollar amount Correct. over that duration, right? Yeah. Okay, that that makes sense. So at the end of this two month period, let's say, we'll be comparing one month of the existing setup versus one month of the the pulse the the new pulse valve setups, yeah. and then we'll be looking at or analyzing volume consumed over time in order to back into an energy saving, uh, which would be in dollars, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, we'll look at differential pressure, like I mentioned too, because mm -hmm. that's a factor, like as the differential pressure lessens, we can just top level the, these valves pulse a filter that consumes dust as part of the dust collection in their process. And when the valve pulses, it knocks dust off of that filter. And when the dust gets knocked off, the differential pressure drops. So mm. if we can keep the differential pressure low, then we don't have to pulse as often. So you're not consuming as much air. Um, so that's kind of how it all ties together with the volume consumption and the differential pressure. So, so that's kind of why we look at both um, because it's, it, it should align well and it's good to show that data. And that's the nice thing about um, how we develop this system, how Felipe developed this system that, we're, we're tallying the differential pressure, we're tallying the incoming pressure, we're tallying the, the, con, the totalization of the flow through the flow meter. So we're able to look at multiple layers of data to just see what factors were affected. Um, and we'll probably see that pretty quickly, um, but having a month of data gives us a good snapshot comparison. No, that, it's good to know that, that we have those capabilities built into it. Um, yep. A couple of key words that I wanted to pick up on that we've mentioned uh, throughout the episode is uh, scalability and also yep. platform, right? Yep. So those are two key terms that I wanted you to uh, be able to expand upon a little bit. Uh, Paul, can you just talk through um, our thinking in terms of platform? Then also you mentioned hydraulic units, but from a scalability standpoint, where do we see this going? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think most most companies that have engineering and manufacturing capabilities want to develop platforms that resonate and that could go in different applications because you lessen the cost of engineering because you're not custom designing every system. Um, so that's that's why we call this a platform. Um, and the the idea behind it is is this something that can be used in multiple places? Um, with little variations, with different changes that are subtle and it's not a redevelopment each time. Um, so with this, this data collector um, and doing it over IOLINK, we can simply change the device in this scenario. It's a differential pressure. It's a flow meter. Um, you're getting inlet pressure. We're we tied a stack light on there that gives some um, data back, just kind of the verification that in this scenario, the read um, uh, and the transfer of the CSV file was complete. It's it's our way to to give the customer some feedback without needing an HMI or anything on there. Um, so we did that, and then we tied in the two push buttons. Um, in the next application, maybe the customer needs temperature. So now all of a sudden, we just go instead of a flow meter, you go with a temperature device. And you communicate that over IOLINK. The nice thing about IOLINK is it's universal. So we used in this in this development for this application, we used, I believe, Felipe, three different manufacturers, right? For that's correct. From yep. the IOLINK standpoint, 
through well, three devices uh, from two different manufacturers. Yeah. Right. And so, so we did that and it doesn't necessarily have to be, Hey, this manufacturer doesn't make a temperature sensor and this manufacturer doesn't make this. So it allows us to be universal. So in this scenario, we actually used a product that isn't one of the products that we represent because it was the best product for the device and for the application. Um, so the next application, like I said, maybe it needs temperature, maybe it needs level. Um, all those changes are very simple. It's just a couple of devices and changing some parameterization. And I'm a sales guy, so I say simple. Felipe maybe disagrees with me a little bit, but yeah. it's definitely not as complex as developing a system from scratch. Um, so we're able to make this system more economical to deploy and more applications so customers can get what they need, which is more data so they can make those decisions to predictively maintain systems. So this scenario was was doing a baseline comparison and then a comparison after they've made a change on a power unit like Felipe mentioned earlier. Maybe it's just trying to make sure that the contamination level doesn't create a failure as it goes up. If you can see that the, the data is trending, that it's getting more contaminated or it's getting more water in that system, then, then you know to make that correction before it shuts a system down. So that's the, that's the nice thing about, we can tie it to their network and we can send alerts and we can do certain things like that. That is just a couple parameterization changes that we're gonna build in options that, hey, Mr. Customer, do you want this or do you want that? But, but the guts of everything pretty much remains the same. When you say the, the guts of everything, I just want to make sure I understand this. So we have the PLC, we have a power unit, and then you have what I believe is referred to as the IO block or what is that, the master where all the sensors plug into? Is that correct? Yeah, so... Um so when I say the guts of it, it's basically the internals. Uh, we, we'll typically call the guts that what's internal to the box, right? Mm -hmm. So Felipe said in this scenario, we used uh, a stainless NEMA 4X box and we had a, a sloped top on it. Um, but the PLC, the power supplies, and then the master, which you're talking about, like the IO-Link master, Mm -hmm. is that that's all uniform now the devices that we might connect to the power unit or the the uh dust collector or going into maybe just silo level like some processes may need to make sure that they're maintaining a silo level and not going below a certain parameter so um being able to make it to where the only real changes we have to do is modify maybe the devices and then mm -hmm and then program the parameters of those devices based on that application, that allows us to scale it um, and to call it a platform. And Felipe, is that where the benefit of IO-Link comes in? Is the ability to keep, let's say, those three main components relatively the same, and then you're just going out and you're plugging in maybe different sensors or different meters into that block that's feeding back into um, that PLC? Yes, uh, absolutely. So we, I mean, in a platform, you could also reuse the code. All of the, the code is a, it, um, is a large investment that, uh, that, you know, takes a lot of time, right? Um, yep. So with IO-Link, 
and the fact that he's a, a standard technology, um, you know, we instead of developing this from scratch, we would just go adjust, like Paul said, the parameters for that specific brand and sensor. And um, sometimes, again, is IO link. So sometimes that one sensor may give you three readings. So you maybe want to have all those three, right? So think little changes like that, but you already have um, all of the software already written and, and the structure of the software already pretty well debugged uh, and, you know, uh, like a robust program right there. Yeah, that's good to uh, comment. The, the the guts in the scenario is also the programming aspect. That's probably a lot more engineering time than putting the box together. So uh, good, good to highlight that <laughs> and and add a little bit to my to my comment. So I appreciate that, yeah. Felipe. Oh yeah, there's a program that's running inside this little metal box that's actually doing all this work. <laughs> Engineer turned sales guy. I mean, that's that's it, it's easy. It's what. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. One thing that comes to mind is this: the only way for for plants, specifically some of the larger plants, uh, to collect data? Are there other processes in place that that people might have heard of? No, this is this is definitely not the the only way to do it. Um, the majority of our customers, big or small are doing this to some extent, um, some more so than others, but it's usually what was maybe previously defined as um, their critical systems. But as processes evolve, there's there's so many more systems that have an effect on manufacturing, whether it's smaller or whether it's larger. Um, so it's it's an opportunity for them to say, hey, here's here's been a problem point for us let's go ahead and put this system directly on there and let's see how we can trend that data or how we can predictively maintain it versus maybe doing a full deployment um, like they maybe have, would have previously done in the past. And um, Felipe, as, as he mentioned, he, he comes from pulp and paper industry. He, he used to work for Georgia Pacific and he was in the shoes of a lot of our customers. So he might be able to even elaborate a little bit more on that. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, so larger companies like Georgia Pacific, for example, they use a data historian, right? Um, but what it, what what happens with a data historian is is an expensive control system, uh, and more than that, what happens if the process that you're trying to monitor the data that you're trying to capture is in a remote place, like let's say uh, uh, the waste treatment. Uh, the waste treatment plant of the pulp and paper uh, industry, right? So just to give you an example, let's say that you want to uh, historize the, a pH probe in the middle of one of those ponds, right? Um, it could be easily, uh, you know, half a mile away or a quarter of a mile away. So uh, for applications like this, you can simply get a panel like our data collector uh, you would have a, let's say that is a pre pH probe with IOLink capabilities and you install our, our data collector there and it starts collecting data, the frequency that you want. Um, you can add, you know, the other, whichever other, let's say that in the case of, in my example of, uh, of the waste treatment facility, let's say that you have a flow meter there as well or a temperature probe in the middle of this pond. Uh, so you, you would have, uh, with a minimal investment, right? You don't have to extend the data historian to this remote 
area using network switches and routers, maybe Wi-Fi, you name it, complex, right? Uh, you simply put this data collector there, you analyze your the data for the periods that you want, and you know you gather your information, whether a chemical change that you made is, is working better or not. So, so yeah. I yeah, think that be, I see it highly uh, applicable at my previous job. Yes. Yeah. So like the, the, the other scenarios, I mean, he's, he's going to pH level. So that's, that's a unique thing that we haven't even hit on. You could also do vibration analysis, a lot of, a lot of different motors and pulleys and different systems. Pumps may have vibration characteristics that we can bring into this system and you can determine when that might be failing too. So it's really scalable across all industries. I mean, food and beverage, pulp and paper, steel, power generation, chemical. Um, and we, we really want to continue to partner with our customers to tell us what they specifically need from a device level and a criticality standpoint, um, because they know their processes extremely more than we do. Um, we know the industry, but they know their specific process. And if we can help them get more data from it, um, it's going to only help them do their job better. Paul, how would you want customers of ours to to think about data collection and maybe proceed if, if they heard um, our talk today? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a good opportunity is to, to think about this as a more economical possibility. Um, Felipe mentioned the historian and those investments are pretty significant. Getting a more localized system um, that we've developed as a platform, I mean, keeps the economies of scale down for deploying this. Um, so that return on your investment of adding this data collection in there is, um, is pretty quick, um, especially if you saved yourself from a system going down because you were able to see that data. Um, so I, I think I think that's one takeaway is just like it's it's maybe not as costly as you might have thought in the past. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd say customers reach out to us, um, see what we can do with it. Um, there's the scalability of it. There's the established cost that we have with the platform already. So so we can have a quick conversation to let them know if it's a good fit. And, and how much it might cost them to do something like that. So um, I think it's a great opportunity, whether you're plant manager, production manager, whether you're looking in the reliability field or on the control side and you want a little bit more devices to be able to give you some more feedback of your processes. I, I think it, it scales well to all customers, to all different hats within the customers. And that's why we really just felt there was a need to develop something like this because there's so many opportunities. There's so many pain points that we've seen through years and years and all these customer visits that we have that like this is going to solve some problems for customers and it's going to save them a lot of money. And um, that's that's why we wanted to make the investment. And that's why we want to have this talk, right? We want to get it out there and let customers know that it is possible. Yeah. And I think speaking from the, the, the sales side, but then also the engineering side, this is a platform that we're really excited about because to Paul's point, it's a cost effective way for customers to better understand what's happening um, across their plant and for us to help them um, on their strategic liability plans uh, moving forward. So yep. Paul, Felipe, thank you guys for, for joining me in this uh, data collector conversation. Thanks for Absolutely. Glad to be here. 
And that wraps up another episode of Better, Faster, Smarter. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing, leaving a review or comment, and sharing this with a friend or colleague. All of those things help us expand our reach in hopes of impacting more manufacturers. If you have any questions or comments, all of our contact information, including that of our guests, will be in the episode description. And you can also learn more at www.adamscorp.com. Till next time, keep getting better, faster, smarter. See ya.